What is up, everybody? I am Kyle Pagan. Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. I have a dog shit haircut. Sorry for anybody that has to watch on YouTube. Uh, the average Philly fan is has a family of four now, and now people don't want to hold on to Tyrese Maxey instead of trading for Kevin Durant. We've got a great episode for you today. Uh, make sure you hit the thumbs up below the video on YouTube if you're watching to get that algorithm going. And if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe. Let's bring in Kevin Kincaid. We also have special guest John Jansen from Fox PHL Gambler. Uh, is on the line change from 8 to 11 p.m. every single day during the week. Jansen, how you doing? Kinker, what up? What up? I'm doing good. And and don't worry, you don't have the most dog shit haircut. I haven't gotten a haircut in like seven months. So I think uh I think I'm the worst here. I think you're good. I got I got I got chopped and screwed. I, I I'll be honest with you. I went to I went to the place because Lane Johnson was on the front of the cover and I needed a last and I needed a last second barbershop. That's great advertising. Yeah. I've it, probably it was my uh, first- I'm sorry. John Jansen, by the way, uh Philadelphia Union post game show on the gambler. I've probably talked to John Jansen on the phone more than anybody <laughs> over the last year or two. More than my wife for sure. So it's good that's a bad thing. That's a horrible thing to horrible thing to have. You don't, need, you don't need to be talking to me that much. <laughs> Well, we're happy you're here. Um, all right. So the biggest, the, the next argument that we get into Philadelphia was over Jimmy Rollins yesterday sending a pretty innocuous tweet saying like, hey, the Phillies are for real. Everybody get down to the Citizens Bank Park. We don't, uh, I, I see too many seats that don't have people in them. The Phillies are 62 and 48 overall, 24 and 13 after Bryce Harper's injuries, 40 and 19 since Rob Thompson took over for Girardi and they still can't fill the ballpark. John. Why? Um, 10 years of bad faith, 10 years of absolutely nothingness. And I don't think, I don't think it's that easy to just say, Hey, we've won 40 games uh, over 40 games since June. Come see us. Because I, I would say, I, I think I can say this pretty confidently that there are still fans out there that don't believe the Phillies are a playoff team. I think like they're still trying to fight and get in while that's sort of the case. They haven't completely locked down a playoff spot. The Phillies are, to me, almost 100% chance of getting in. Like, they they are in. They are a playoff team. We should be talking about them. How do they compete with the Dodgers and the Mets? I think they're just as good as a team, maybe like the Braves and the Padres, and I think they've proved that. But I don't know how many people can just all of a sudden turn that switch on and be like, oh, well, they're, they're a playoff team. This is a, a fun team. Look, it took even the 2008 team. I think 2005 is when they finally had that first, like, really good season. 88 wins, I think it was. And they were 13th in fan attendance. Then it went to 8th in 2006. And then they were, I think, in the top five by the time they got to the World Series team. Like, it's a slow burn. I think even Kevin has seen this with the Union. They've been one of the top three teams in MLS, top three to five teams in MLS for almost two to three years now. But it's taking, finally, this season, I think, for this stadium, for Subaru Park to fill out easily. You know, it's yeah, going to take yeah. a little. It was a little slower on the back end, too. I mean, I there's some obvious things here, too, man. I mean, it's August 11th, right? It's been, like, hot as balls out side you know it hasn't rained it's rained up here like twice in like three weeks you know so people you're at the end of um you like vacation season two where the kids are still out of school and it's like people are going down to the shore and and doing their shore week or you know going on vacation wherever going to the Poconos or something and you know whatever disposable income that family might have left it's like it's not going to Phillies at least not right now so that's the one thing the other thing too is like 
well, what do you want to do first? You want to do the cost? How much it costs a family to go down there? Because that's pagan. I think the take, call, right? you, you think that's I, bullshit, right? But you I don't think have it's a bullshit either. take. I think it's yeah, BS. I don't have kids. I think it's a BS take because I, I, I mean, I might not have kids, <laughs> but like, I mean, I'm sorry, I don't have kids. Like, it, it, having yeah. kids is, is is a choice. Like, I'm sorry, I can't, yeah. I can't feel bad about the person having healthcare or daycare to pay for because if I park in a handicap spot. I have to pay that ticket kind of stuff. Like I know it's a little, I know it's a lot. It's different. Don't get me wrong. And I, and I don't need people to go Monday through Thursday. I don't think the ballpark should be sold out. That would be insane. But there's also like, not everybody's a family of four. And the family of four argument seems to be the big one. When you can bring food in, you can bring drinks in. And like I said, don't pay for Hall of Fame tickets if you're making 400 level money. And I think that's what people kind of look at when they see these averages of costs that they're like, oh, I got to spend $200. There's ways to get around it. You got to do a larger demo. I mean, you'd have to do a larger demographic study anyway. I mean, like who who is making up the crowd anyway? Like how many families are down there in the first place? You know, when it was Citizens Bank Park from 2008 to 2012 or whatever it was, every 20 something in Philadelphia, that was the place to be. We're going to the Phil's yeah. game, man. We're going to drink. You know, we're going to hang. I mean, it was like a social event more so than a baseball game, you know? And then you have like your old baseball trended older, trended whiter. You had boomers, you had Gen X, you had like empty nesters who were down there with season ticket holders or had the Sunday package or whatever. And they were, they were making up part of the audience too. I don't, I don't know how many families are part of it to begin with, but I would, I would presume, well, Jansen, you don't have kids, do you? No, okay. no. You never know, never man. Know, I made man. that assumption with Malcolm Gladwell and it burned me. So I just want to, you know, be careful <laughs> before I make the assumption about people having yeah, kids. I just know in June, I, I ended up getting tickets out of nowhere because I was working at an event down there. It was last minute. I was working the event and I was like, I'll go to the game. I got it for like 12 bucks. And the, yeah. the, the entire day cost me, I got a couple bottles of water. I had a beer. Like the entire day cost me maybe like 50 bucks. If that's what it takes to go to a Phillies game, that's nothing yeah. to me. It's yeah. just, do it's it's actively, do you want to go to the game? That's all yeah. it is. And maybe, yeah. maybe habits have changed after the pandemic. I know a lot of people have changed and the things they want to do and the things and how, uh, how they go about it. You know, some people now, maybe they actually do just at, at this moment, want to sit on the couch in air conditioning and watch TV because we've been doing it for two years. They got comfortable doing it. Why go out in the heat and do it? But I do just think like this all of a sudden wasn't going to turn out to be the 2008. Everybody's expecting it to be sellouts all over again and yeah. sellouts every single day for two, three years because this team's so good. It's not that this is, this is now just fresh. And I think people are just now catching on to the fact that the Phillies are, are this good. The but thing it's is, not like it was all going to happen that quickly. Let me try to put the kid thing in perspective, not to try to like talk at anybody or talk down to anybody. Like my perspective changed because it's like, I'm getting like hammered every week by like yeah. daycare and childcare and going to the grocery. So I spend half of my paycheck at the friggin' wise on route 363. I live in the grocery store, you know? So it's like when you're just getting killed by all that other stuff, it's like the disposable income that you do have, which is like very little to begin. You you pretty much have no disposable income because you're paying property taxes that are going towards the kids' high school while you're paying for their daycare and their preschool at the same time. So it's not that you can't carve out $200 or $150 to go down to the ballpark, but you're just like, Holy shit! I have so much other, so much more to spend on. You know, it's like we gotta, you know, repair the friggin' garage door that's not opening correctly, or we gotta go do this. Or I gotta save for for something else for the kids. So it's 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 not even it's not even so much about like it's cost prohibitive with the kids. But you just have so much more to like 
think about so much more to budget for so many other things it's like and then you got to schlep them down there for an hour you got to put two kids in the car probably gonna be screaming somebody's gonna be hungry somebody's gonna have to go to the bathroom before you even get there you have the nice picture that goes up on instagram but people don't know that like the other 59 59 minutes was like total shit and like pure hell yeah you know so it's like yeah. you're trying to like you know compartmentalize all that and you ask yourself like yeah is it worth it or no. do i put the two two hundo into something else you know you're exactly right. If if I had kids, I'm not going down. If I'm living in, in where you live, I'm not going down an hour l- sitting in the parking garage, sitting in the parking lot, sitting in 98 degree heat in the middle of the summer. So like, <laughs> yeah. I think it's kind of yeah. looking at like, why are the Phillies necessarily marketing to kids? Maybe that's their best demographic. That's their best segment where they see the most money being spent. That park stinks, stinks. if you're, yeah, if you're above the, the age of 10. I think this comment makes... A lot of sense, actually. All this right, is so from saw EJM. Some rando, EJM saw some rando on Twitter say that this team lost out on all the 20-somethings with disposable income by being bad for so long, and that feels right to me. See, you made this kind of argument a little bit. I'll tweak it a little bit, Kev. You made the argument. Was, I the, rando, was I the rando that he saw? On <laughs> maybe, yeah, <laughs> maybe. I saw this, saw this dork on Twitter make this uh, comment. Yeah, um, you said the thing about how like, if you're growing up 13 years old, the Phillies were complete dog shit. I would disagree yeah. with that because if you were 13 years old in 2014 when we went through the whole process, and everything why are the Sixers selling out now you could also say hey they've had years where Mm -hmm. they've stacked on top of each other of good uh Sixers teams but I would still say it's it's a lot to do with with fan experience the fan experience at the Sixers Mm -hmm. game I feel like I'm getting bang for my buck the fan experience at the Phillies game and I wrote about this earlier I don't think I am I think there's a larger question too. Like when, too. When, when did the NBA become the sport of like the young, like white hipster kid too? You know, that was like a huge, crazy Twitter. generational thing that just happened. Like the Process. NBA just exploded, exploded in popularity. Yeah. And I don't, yeah. But you know, I think like that's, I don't even think it's specific to, to Philly either. I think like a lot of young, like kids are like into the NBA. Maybe they just see it as being like the most like in, in tune with, I think it's cool. You know, it's the, the NBA is on social media. Yeah. The, the NBA has a large, large social yes. media presence. Yeah, so they've just the like, way baseball doesn't. No, they resonate more with like you know, you know, with that younger demographic. I think it's funny too because you could go back and make a further point that before the Phillies got good in two thousand six, seven, eight, whatever, they were dog shit for a long time before that too. Mm-hmm. So like when we were watching the years of like Bobby Abreu and Mike Lieberthal being the best, Lieberthal guys never made the playoffs. <laughs> No, no, I know, I know. So it's like then you could argue the point that I was making. You could do the the counterpoint to what I was saying would be, well, you know, people watched a lot of shit baseball, you know, prior to two thousand five, six, seven. So why did they get on board if the team was crap before that? Maybe baseball was just viewed differently back then than it is now. You know, whereas like the NFL has taken off, NBA is more popular. You got younger kids watching soccer and MMA and whatever at the same time. So I think that that's the one thing. But I would actually, I would ask both of you guys when you're watching a game. Okay, say pick any game, Phillies, Eagles, or whatever. How are you watching it at home? You watching, watching it on the big on, TV? You you're looking at I'm, your phone. You like I'm a, on like a I'm on the big setup? TV. I'm on the big yeah. TV, or I'm on the phone if the girlfriend's watching like some shit reality show. Um, <laughs> but te- but typically, like I'm doing Love stuff Island. like Bachelor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, dude, Love Island right now, 42 <laughs> fucking episodes. Like just it's it's US and it's both. UK right now, 42 episodes both the season. I've watched more Love Island than I ever want to watch. I'm not gonna lie, it's kind of funny though. I don't know if I can it's watch 42 so episodes of it. I've watched a couple episodes at a time. It's kind of funny. It's not. They bad. all are hot. They all suck. They all have terrible personalities. That none of the relationships are going to work out. But 
I'm usually also doing stuff on my laptop for Crossing Broad. I may be writing blogs for tomorrow, or I might be write, uh, editing video, or I might be doing this. During Eagles games, like I'm locked in. During Sixers games, I'm kind of the same way. Yeah, I watch Phillies games. I watch baseball kind of passively. I'll put on an MLB big inning, and then I'll have my laptop in front of me. One side is MLB big inning. One side is the Phillies game. And then because literally my job is sports, I'm like playing video games or something or, yeah. or doing something else. While that is while that is kind of just in there in front of me, I can look down at it periodically and see what's going on, and I'll get exactly what I need. But no, I'm not sitting down. Like like my dad is at 70 years old and literally feet up on the couch reclined yeah. and his entire day revolves around watching the Phillies. You know, I'm not I'm not. doing. Yeah, that. it's a weird question to kind of ask people who work in sports media because we yes. consume the games much differently than other people because it's work. You know, we don't we're not like sitting there relaxing necessarily or whatever. But it's it's basically like I look at like two verticals here. I put my hands on the screen. Um, if you look at the way that the live experience of watching a baseball game or any game really has has evolved versus like the tv experience right the tv experience is like has evolved rapidly over the last 10 15 years while the you know the in-game experience largely is the same you can talk about you know different presentations and what the sixers are doing or what the eagles are doing or whatever but the foundational thing is you're sitting there in the stands watching it okay right so that's never really gonna change we went from shit tvs with terrible quality with no, they didn't even have lower third chirons on there. They had to bring up the score every five seconds to show us. But now you have great graphics packages. You got high definition. Even though I don't even, like the graphics package for uh, NBC Sports, I can't oh, yeah, see allegedly I can't the, see the pitch count. I can't see yeah. what they're hitting. That's a whole no. That's a whole no. I mean, S and Y is just blow. It's the gold standard for baseball production. If you ask me, hold that because I want to ask you about that that take that some people were uh, you know did not did not appreciate. But here's the point: you got you know. High definition. You got affordable, like 85 inch TVs. You've got DVR. You know, you've got these like amazing sound bars, right? So the at home experience has, you know, pace out, outpaced the in game experience by a large margin, you know? So it's like, why would I, you know, if I had a choice, am I going to like drive my ass down there and watch and have to be like looking over some dude's head the whole time? I going to just like commute to my basement. And yeah, you know, that's what I think a, it's more. Of. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think it's yeah. more. I mean, and and cost obviously with everything, and it it all adds into it. I don't think that's the main argument. I think that's what people that graph came out a couple months ago, and people love to just yeah. be like, oh, phew, I'm going to get angry at the average cost of living because you're paying yeah. so much fucking money for just to live everyday life like you went over. Yeah, I yeah. think it's like people just don't want to go to baseball games. The the, the in stadium experience from from my point of view in Philadelphia is not that great. It is not. Eagles are different. It's six, it's eight games a year. It's the Eagles. Eagles are number one. Sixers are different. I would say their in-game experience is so much better. I can't talk about the Flyers. I've probably been to a game once in five years. The, the stadium, we're, we're getting the same vanilla stadium we got 18 years ago, except now they put a kid playpen in the, in the back right corner. So it's very good for, for families of four. But then again, they're also bitching about the price of, of family before. So maybe the Phillies got to look in the mirror and say, hey, we might be marketing to the wrong people. Maybe we do need the college kids or the young kids. Or you said it in your article, boomers and Gen X, man. And and we'll go millennials a little bit. You yeah. got to fill the stadium because the families of four can't. They're all they poor. Got the disposable. Give, That's me, where the give me beer specials. Give Put yes. beer specials in the ballpark. And you can – It's because baseball has to be a social event. And as you just said, I think the production of baseball is way behind because we're finally starting to see it. Felix Bautista and Baltimore when he comes yeah. out, the relief pitcher. It's this whole light show. It's insane. Timmy Trumpets with Edwin Diaz. It's this whole big um, moment. Everybody's in it together, and it's everybody's clapping. You know, that, that to me, the production of baseball, especially a live in-game experience, and even 
seeing someone on television has been the same as it has, as you just said, for uh, not even just the past 18 years, for a hundred, over a hundred years. It's been the same. Nothing has changed other than a few things. And I think the Phillies and baseball in general needs to catch up with that. So so again, you have to market towards, I think, people like my age because I'm not going there and paying $15 for a beer. I'm not doing it. I, I, I would rather go down the corner on a corner bar right down the street from me, mm-hmm. pay two fifty for a Miller light and watch the game. Like I'd so rather do not, that. Is that, that what you, social event and I'm not paying as much. That's what you guys are looking. So for the stadium experience, at least for you, your guys age bracket, I sound so old saying this, your guys age bracket, like beer specials, food specials, like, yeah like uh concourse stuff like that and, and less about like what's going on on the jumbotron or the the game present yeah. presentation itself yeah i mean it, baseball's a little too slow for like you know you know i mean we I, I i was lucky enough to have a good sunday last week i remember sundays in the beginning of the year i didn't see i think i saw one run in three games it's just it's just stuff like that. It's also it was 50 degrees back in that time yeah. but i mean kev I, I went down with four people me and three other people I got a round of beers, seventy-two dollars. I mean, that's that's why. So for three, so you were there with four with three other people. Yeah, so me and three other people. So four getting around four drinks, seventy-two dollars almost. Seventy-two divided by four is like seven. Like yeah, it's like sixteen to eighteen is what is what is what beers are going for right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. No, so sorry. And then and then you know I'm I'm in uh, I'm in right field. And they're like they're talking about like this this batter's eye bar that they're that they're building out there, and it didn't come until around I think May or June or maybe even July. I'm like, okay, maybe this would be really cool. It, they just they 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 painted it red, put the Budweiser sponsorship on it, and they had the same TVs and the same tables sitting around there in center field. I I would say the best part about Citizens Bank Park right now is going to sit around the bullpen and just listen to people heckle, and you get a really good shot of the uh yeah, yeah. of the game but you know what it is man it's like if for and i don't envy the phillies at all or comcast or comcast uh, nbc sports philadelphia at all because they're trying to hit a moving target here okay so you guys from a certain generation how are looking for a certain thing right people in my generation have two young kids it's like hey i'm not anti-ballpark it's just like i got all this other shit to worry about gen x boomers probably like there's nothing wrong with it to begin with so if you change something then you're probably pissing them off right you know so it's like yeah how how do you win i'm not really sure but Explain to me. So you did a story yesterday, the day before about like, you just felt like beyond the game presentation, like the broadcast wasn't up to snuff compared to like SNY or or whatever. You just didn't think it was, you thought they weren't doing enough. You thought it was basic or it was bare bones or they weren't. So in my story, I should have talked more about the production. I said broadcast. I think a lot of people thought I was coming after like T-Mac and Kruk. I like T-Mac and Kruk. Raj oh. and Ben Davis, I can, oh. you know, whatever. They're there, they're there. Um, and I would never say that Keith Hernandez and Ron Darling are better than Kruk and um, and the other guy. Yeah, because um, then right, like two stories after you published that, we got the Keith Hernandez. Like, I don't want to. Terrible timing. <laughs> terrible, <laughs> terrible fucking timing. I know, I know, I know. I, when I look at things, and I think this is a lot like what John does, what we do, I want to, you to be creative with what you're given. You're given Timmy Trumpets. You're given Edwin Diaz. What are you going to do with it? That shot of him coming out of the bullpen was amazing. The shot of of uh, Jacob deGrom coming out the simple man, which I didn't even know that they, they always, he always came out the simple man. But it was just so something so easy to do that I think it's kind of me coming at 
the production of NBC Sports Philly. It's kind of me coming at the social team of NBC Sports Philly. Um, it's kind of me coming after the Phillies. I mean, NBC Sports signed a billion dollar deal with the Phils to have to for the contract. This is the most exciting Phillies team in 10, 12 years. I know nothing about this Phillies team. Can I get some digital content? Can I get maybe the sideline reporter to come back? I, I liked Greg Murphy. I thought that added yeah. another thing that to is, the game. That I is think- definitely a missing element. It's not the yeah. fix to everything like you're saying, uh, because I think you're right, but that is that is absolutely a missing element yeah. here. Yeah. yeah. I watched, I, I watched, I uh, I watched, sorry, I watched an interview where uh, whoever the sideline reporter is at SNY, and he's interviewing this guy about the Cup Snakes. That's an awesome interview. That's easily getting fifty to 100,000 views on Twitter. Easy. Yeah. And you just got to do... Um- we have to start thinking in a way of what's going to not necessarily grow the game, but what's going to do good on Twitter. Like what is going to do good on social media? That's how you're reaching fans nowadays. Like, Oh shit, they're doing cup snakes at the New York Mets game. Let's go buy some tickets. Let's go Saturday. Let's go drink some beers and build some cup snakes. It's, it's not hard. I'll do, I'll take the devil's advocate part of the argument just for the sake of, just for the sake of discussion. Right. Like, I think we all know that NBC sports Philadelphia has been like essentially gutted, you know? Um, I mean, look at all the light. I feel like every other month I was doing a NBC Sports Philadelphia. This person got let go. This person got laid off. I mean, this slash happened. This, you know, cut, you know, took place. And like, I made a whole list of like people that they've lost over the last like three years. And the list was like 20 people, you know, not, and not just like on air people too. Like, you know, talking about like their PR person or like, you know, Enrico, who's doing 700 level. Like, even those guys, you know, Paul Hudrick's not there anymore. It's like, so what do you even have left over there? You know, you're like, and and how do you take a bare bones operation and make it work? You at least got to like latch onto these like viral kind of things and, and milk them for all that they're worth. I mean, if you go back to the Sixers, like try to find any nugget or any like viral hype that you can and make it work, ring the bell, raise the cat, you know, you got zoom off holding up a cat or some shit, you know, it's like, try to find like these little things that you can do that, that can translate to social and work off of that. Look, if you don't have the manpower and you can't get the good walking shot of the guy coming out of the bullpen, or if you know, Greg Murphy's just not there anymore. Um, Jansen doing baseball brunch, by the way, Greg. Yeah. Murphy, doing baseball brunch here in the game. Uh, yep, yep. Um, but I don't, you know, it's like, I, regardless, like I, I don't, the, the counterpoint to my counterpoint is like, isn't everybody dealing with less now too? Yeah. You know, so it's like, how do you, how do you, Especially all those local broadcasts, all baseball, local broadcasts yeah. are very bare bones and very simple. Cause yeah. I, I would hope, cause baseball has been shot the same way. And that's again, the production live in stadium, but even the production for TV, it's been shot the same way for years. Baseball. If you look at every sport and how it's changed football, we at least get different camera angles. They've been trying, they've been using what the AK cameras now. Yeah, uh, yeah. They even for at one point they used the sky camera, but they used it behind like almost the Madden angle. So they're trying different things. NBA, even the local broadcasts are trying like rim angles and all of that. They're trying everything. Yeah. Baseball's been shot the same way with the same cameras in the same spots for years. And it just looks the same. I wish we can get a camera, you know, on these guys, maybe looking up at them as they're walking to the plate. We get their music coming through to the the TV audio in some way. You know, something to make it feel like a, a production that's not just me watching almost the same production I'd get from a high school baseball game. Like yeah, it, it's yeah. very, very simple. And I wish it's there just, was more to it. You know what it is, man. I would end unless you got something else, I would like end the discussion on this. It's like baseball, a lot of baseball's problems fall under the same umbrella. Which is just, you know, how do you maximize more of the good things that are happening? How do you squeeze more out of it? How do you market it better? I mean, you look at the numbers and like baseball is healthy. Like it's it's not everybody people do this do the same. It's like oh, it's a dying sport or whatever. The local numbers are still very good. 
Like the TV ratings are still really good. The World Series is doing well. It's just like, you know, Mike Trout's out there in LA and he doesn't want to talk to the media, you know, or like this star I'm not hearing enough about, or like the, you know, when I go to the home run derby or the all star game or whatever, yeah, man, I don't know about you guys, but like when I was growing up, I watched Stuart Scott on ESPN and they were doing Carlos Delgado home runs every morning, you know, Carlos Delgado Delgado, you know, and so like how do you, how does, how does baseball, like I don't know how you, how you put push baseball back into like the mainstream like platforms that are now dominated by like nba first take nba shit you, and football you, and whatever like the, the mlb doesn't even like enter those conversations yeah you it, build right? their personas like how much were we talking yeah. about shohei otani last year all the time i don't i know they sucked this year yeah. but they didn't make the playoffs yeah. last year we haven't talked about shohei yeah, yeah. at all i think My he broke tweet, like ishiro's record and also broke yes. a pitching record right. yeah, the other day and i'm like oh okay my favorite tweet of like the last five years is this guy who who went on and he's like, Shohei Otani pitched like seven scoreless innings and hit four home runs, and Mike Trout improved his batting average to five ninety one. As the Angels lost again nine to three, you know it's like you've got this like amazing stuff happening. It's like that, that tweet had its peak during the Angels seven home run, seven solo home run game in which they lost. It's like all this amazing stuff happened for the Angels, and you go, they lost eleven to seven though. It was the peak of that tweet. It was yeah, amazing. That's base. That's baseball. Like it's 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 there. Like there's something there. Like how like how do you like pull they, they it? They have out? Thor. They have Thor now. So like I know he's not who he used to be, but like yeah. they flashed a Thor a couple times in the in the fake Thor in the uh, in the in yeah, the seats yesterday. Put the, put the hammer up there. What's the hammer Dude. called? Molnir or some shit. Put that up we, there. I don't know. So, this is the last thing, and I know you want to finish with that, but one last thing. So the 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 director of the Phillies, he obviously read the blog and everything because Zach Wheeler goes out and they have a camera right behind Zach Wheeler, and this is what I criticized about him. I said. Compare those two SMY clips. I'm talking about Edwin Diaz and Jacob DeGrom coming out to anything you've seen in the last 10 years, basically right there. So he saw this. He saw me write this. He, they go out. They put the camera behind uh, Zach Wheeler. I thought it was a coincidence. I was like, maybe it's a great dig. Don't get me wrong. I'm watching the Thor broadcast yesterday. The, the camera's out in fucking uh, right field or left field watching Thor grow up. Uh, warm up like dude give me these fucking angles give me the angles of all the phillies coming together in the outfield uh like they do in in uh they do this whole bit in uh the mets where they just do the untuck it after the games after the games they win and stuff it's just easy it's easy stuff like that and i know the bare bones productions and stuff but kev we're it's me and you on a blog i know it's like 12 of us at crossing broad like everyone's bare bones I get it, man. I came from TV. Like I know what everybody was dealing with, you know. But there's got to be ways to to make it work within those confines. Maybe we get Nick M on the Crossing broadcast, and you guys can hash it out. You know, I would love him. Or just yell yell at each other. Yell at each other. We'll do the beer. We'll do the beer summit. I'll be Obama. Also, you mentioned social media aspect. I wish that was in more MLB broadcasts. Especially, it's easy. Phillies have a great uh, Twitter base. You know, Phillies fans are great on Twitter. Why not include those tweets during the broadcast and even have McCarthy and Cruck riff on them? You know, and talk Mm -hmm. about it. That's one of my favorite things about the NBA TNT broadcast is they will show those tweets and those guys will either laugh at something they said, you know, or yell at the fan, whatever it is. But they at least include that interaction, and it feels like they they are interacting with you and it is it's again this big event that's happening i I wish the broadcasters would do that because then it it would feel more connected to me also you you got also you idiots you should be people who told me to go to uh go be a mets fan you should hold your broadcast and the stadium you paid for to a high standard all right it's just easy as that i'm sorry 
Yeah, I, uh, I, I also, accidentally put out Mets content a few days ago because now a T-shirt was made because of a segment we did. So that's a Timmy Trumpets T-shirt or a, what, a Trumpet Time T-shirt, I think it was. So now now the gambler's pulling out some Mets content. So, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're, in, the, we're in the same boat there, Kyle. Whoa, 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 whoa. Do not put me in the same boat as people putting out Mets shirts and trying to make a profit. I did the not Mets. mean to do that. I did not mean to. And a great show we have on Sundays, the divide line. It's a Yankees fan and a Mets fan. And they heard yeah. the segment and made Trumpet Time T-shirts because of it. So look go at check you. that out. Working for the, yeah, look at me for the enemy. Yeah. Why not? Um, Infiltrate the enemy. Here's another, base, you know? <laughs> here's another thing. Uh, everyone saw it. Uh, Ian Bagley yesterday reported that the Sixers and their high-ranking officials – the, who the high-ranking officials are, I would love to know. Uh, that's always that always interests me, Kev. When like people are going out for like sources and for and like wanting to report on things. Like I, I made a joke about this: is like Josh Harris's grandmother and Ian Begley's grandmother going to Temple together, and they're just over well, what's here? What's high-ranking and what's yeah? What's high-ranking exactly. and what's not? Is the chef a high-ranking member? I mean, he's really important because he yeah. he's vital to the nutrition of the team. Who's high-ranking and who's low ranking and mid middling ranking. I mean, there could be, there could be like a high ranking guy next to like Daryl, but maybe he's not in Daryl's like inner circle or the Sixers inner circle. So like, this is always interesting, but we'll run with it. Uh, Kevin Durant reportedly would be open to joining the Sixers. Frank Asola also said he is interested in reuniting with James Harden. Obviously people saw last weekend, they were both in uh, London at a Travis Scott concert, powing around. Um, People now don't want to trade Tyrese Maxey. I understand people love Tyrese Maxey. He's an awesome guy. Like, the guy you want to root for. But guess what? If you're not trading Tyrese Maxey for a top 15 player of all time, you deserve to be in the process forever. Whoever wants to take nothing. There's nothing that I hate more than the, like, NBA Twitter Twitter? discussion of of a hypothetical trades and stuff like that. Just because people, people are so, like, vehemently take one side or the other, like, you put somebody puts a trade machine thing up there, and like, there's no way that this team would do that, you know. And then it's like, you know, somebody suggests Tyrese Max and Kevin. Durant, oh, you'd have to be the dumbest person in the world to trade Tyrese Max. It's like, holy shit! Hold hold up a sec. Let's just slow down for a second. Tyrese Maxey, fantastic player, year two, great improvements, fan favorite, very easy to cheer for. Uh, it's Kevin Durant. <laughs> that should Durant. be the argument right there. It's yeah, and the funny it. thing that's is, he's going to have to make that argument. Uh, is he going to be extended no this year or next year? He will probably be making Tyrese Maxey close to Kevin Durant money with the whole so get uh, NBA salary yeah. cap. You know my yeah, favorite by the way, deal? Yeah. As Absolutely. a quick A side too, you know what my favorite story, underrated storyline is here? Tyrese Maxey is a clutch client, right? So when Ben Simmons was blocking him from playing time, when they got him moved last year, that increased Tyrese's profile, set himself up for a big payday. Who benefits from that the most? Clutch is going to get paid when Tyrese gets paid. So it ends up working out, you know, for them. But listen, it's like, I think the counter arguments that people were trying to make about a Maxi Durant hypothetical here was what about the window? Match up the window, right? It's like, mm-hmm. well, you've only got, what do we say, two, three years with Embiid, maybe? Well, you got two to three, one to three years with Harden, right? Uh, Kevin Durant's 33. What's his championship window look like? One to three, two to three, something like that. So people are saying, well, if you don't win it, you know, at least you got Tyrese on the, on the back end to build with. Okay. Well, guess what, man? If you don't win it with, if you don't win it with the next couple of years, you're rebuilding regardless. You're rebuilding regardless. You got Tyrese at age 25 or not, you know, so you're the all in or you're not, you know, you get, you get closer to winning the title with Kevin Durant on your team this year than you do Tyrese Maxey. Like, so to me, it's either like you got to, you can't be straddling the line, man. You can't like give yourself insurance on the back end because you're going to want to tank coming out of that anyway and rebuild. You're not going to do a half ass 
flyers kind of thing, you know. So Tyrese, love him. Easiest guy to cheer for on the planet. A million times out of a million. Um, oh God. Okay. Well, a million times out of a million. Yeah, NBA trade discussions are the worst. Yeah, they I are. absolutely they are. They are. They are. Um, because that because that right there, like even discussing that, then you ruin the entire reason why the Sixers want to trade for Kevin Durant. Like because Kevin Durant wants to play for play with James Harden and Joel Embiid. Yeah, obviously that's not that's not even in discussion right now that yeah. you would trade that. And Joel Embiid would never go to the Nets. I don't know if he's never go yeah. trade calls because he doesn't want to go back and play with Ben Simmons. But the only thing I will I will concede on the Tyrese Maxey Kevin Durant uh, argument: Will Kevin Durant ever be happy wherever he goes? Can he play? And this is such a boomer argument, but can he play for Philadelphia? And that that actually does worry me. Like, are we no, talking a year? People are using that because people on Facebook were saying like, well, how long until Durant gets pissed off and requests out? Well, I mean, you're only like, like this is the game you play with these superstars, man. Like the best players in the NBA, sure. they all do this stuff, you know? So it's like, you're, 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 if you want to win, you got to take risks, you know? And like, you know, maybe he wants out after a year and a half, but that year and a half gave you a better chance to win than it would have otherwise. So like, this is the game you're playing in the NBA 2022, you know? Yeah, and the Sixers can't really, I, I think, afford to to just kind of stick with Tyrese Maxey and to keep building a team because they they have already gone all in on this. They don't have the resources to do that. They don't yeah. have draft picks coming up. You know, they they can't just draft more players, rebuild, and then you know stock up their team like Boston does or like Phoenix does. Yeah. They have to go all in and getting stars. They have to be the Lakers, you know, because the Lakers are in that same boat, and now they're just kind of all in with LeBron James and have to make it work in any way. That's where the Sixers are. So yeah, a player like Tyrese Maxey, it's great to have, and that's a valuable asset, but with where the Sixers are now, it's an expendable one that you probably have to use to get somebody like Kevin Durant. Can, can the six and um, Dave bring back up the KD package picture? This was a hilarious tweet by Jeff McDev. This was uh, uh, so good. the Sixers put out on Instagram, a picture of, uh, of Maxi, Thibel, Niang, and Toby all at Toby's wedding. And uh, Jeff McDevitt tweeted the KD trade package, which is funny. Yeah. But does that get it done? Like, how many more picks do we have? What do we have? 2029? 2030? Yeah, now yeah, that I guess you can don't, They trade. don't have a lot. Yeah, there's not a lot. It's funny, too, because Harris responded to the thing on Instagram, which is a bunch <laughs> of, uh, like, smiley faces or whatever. So it's cool. It's cool that they, like, know to joke around about it. But, yeah. uh yeah, I mean, to me, it's just an issue of like, if you're all in, then be all all the way in, you know, and if you're mm-hmm. not, then be all the way out, you know, because you just, I mean, we're all old enough to remember what the Sixers were pre-process, you know, Chris which is what, which is kind of where the Flyers are right now. Maybe the Flyers don't know it or, or aren't willing to admit it, but, you know, so what, we didn't win a title. Oh, but we still got Tyrese Maxey. Okay, but guess what? You don't have anything else besides Tyrese Maxey. So then are you yeah. moving him to complete your rebuild? That's what I'm saying. Like, if you're going to do, you're going to talk timelines, it's fine, but match them all up. Match them all up, you know, or else you got two blocks here. And then Tyrese Maxey just kind of lingering, you know? Yeah. So. And, and to be fair about it to the Sixers, I don't think anybody has a trade package for Kevin Durant. Cause I felt like after that Boston report that they, they put up Jalen Brown and probably some other players, that was probably the best they were going to get in a conventional trade of just Boston nets and just trade players from Boston to Brooklyn, all of that. But yeah. there's going to need to be a third, fourth team involved for something like this to happen. And Kevin Durant, for the most part, is going to have final say on where he goes. You know, that's that's why the Sixers have a chance in this. It's not because they have the assets to. Of course, yeah. they have a good cornerstone piece and a young guard. Everybody wants a young guard that can score in the way Maxi does. But it's where does Kevin Durant want to go? And the Sixers and the Nets are just going to have to find a way to make it make it work with another team so it could all 
evenly work out and distribute the talent evenly around all three teams or four teams if it is. Have you heard this uh, this Woj drama? Uh, there's this reporter called Ethan Strauss who does a really good job. He writes about uh, this stuff regarding ESPN and how Woj and them won't report on certain stories uh, because he wants to protect his relationships with agents and whatnot. If you go back in his timeline today or last week, he has tweeted nothing about Kevin Durant wanting a trade because I guess his relationship with either Durant's agent or Josiah or Sean Marks. And if you want to go further, it affected the Sixers because remember Windhorse was like talking about this deal is getting done. This deal is getting done. And Woj was like, no, it's not between Ben Simmons and James Harden. He's like, they they haven't even talked. And then yeah. as the deal was gaining more traction, Woj kind of 180 a little bit was like, well, it just started today. And then the deal went through and it's like, yeah, it just started yesterday. What it had been going on for a week or two weeks, that was supposedly to protect Clutch and to protect Ben Simmons so that they could get leverage on Sean Marks as everything was caving in around him and whatnot. So now I'm you're telling glad me that people that I'm just glad that people are like like paying attention to all this now. Yeah. So now you're yeah. telling me like, Woj works for it. an yeah. Yeah. Woj works for an employer and the employer can't even talk about the story because you're the guy you're paying. It wants to protect his relationships and everything. And now if you see it with Adam Schefter, Mike Garofalo does this, Ian Rappaport does this, Woj does this, Shams even does it. They'll start tagging um, agencies or they'll start tagging the agents who make these deals. So, hey, give me this little story. Give me this inside information. I'll get you some Twitter clout or I'll get you some Instagram clout. This shit is so insane. And I, I just – I think Ethan Strauss said this. It was like he's basically working for Twitter. And he's not working for ESPN, but ESPN is paying his bills. <laughs> it's funny, man. I just, um, you know, when you have so few NBA insiders who are like tier one, you know, we'd say Woj, Shams, who's below that? Like Mark, Mark, Mark Stein. Stein yeah. Jake Fisher gets some Windhorse now. Jake Fisher. Summer Windhorse. Yeah. Windhorse brought us to the deal zone. But he did bring us to the deal zone. That's right. Um, but, you know, there's so few guys who are doing it at a high level. So based on what they report and what they don't report, it's these are very easily discernible patterns here. You know, like it's very clear. Very, it's very obvious that Shams had the clutch thing going on, you know, and who and this person was working with this person, you know. But you become compromised so quickly doing this that it's just the name of the game. I mean, Adam Schefter um, emailing Bruce Allen and like, what was the thing? Like, can I run with this or I'm gonna- Adam Schefter's had a few blunders recently. Yeah, but they're, you know what it is, John? It's like they're they're like all of this stuff has been happening for forever, but now people are publicizing it and talking about the reporters themselves, you know, kind of like learning how these things are sourced and where they come from. You know, when I was doing union stuff, I had like a good stretch probably like seven or eight years ago. I was, I was breaking a lot of stuff, but like I learned very quickly that fucking around with agents is like is dangerous, you know, because then they expect certain things from you and it's like, help me help you. And then it's like, you know, your your journalistic integrity is like out down the toilet in two seconds, you know? So that's why I don't call those guys and never have called those guys journalists. They're not journalists. They're more, it's more like information brokerage, you know? It's yeah. like uh, information trading, you know, help, help me help you. You know, we're gonna it's, it's to, basically you know. agent and reporter relationships because yeah. they, the agents need it from the reporters and the reporter needs it from mm-hmm. the agents. And so they kind of each scratch each other back. Actually, we have an yeah. agent on Gerald Colton 
um, agent for Jari Evans for so long. I, I even think David Akers, he does the all pro Philly show every mm-hmm. Monday, six to seven. And he told us that he would, he would leak some stories and not even about, you know, for his clients just to build trust for the reporter that he's leaking it to like, Hey, I'm telling you things that are true. So then when I give you something that I want to report, you know, that it's something true and that you can do it for me. So yeah. he would like leak these stories, but that's, that's just how it works with every agent. So they can obviously build that trust. So if they need to work a story in their, their way at some point, they can do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's what uh, Jason Dumas is. That's what Jason Dumas is doing, Kevin. He's just getting little things until he gets the big, the big things. The big. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about him. <laughs> it's Kevin's sworn enemy. Um, Kevin, do you feel like you've been compromised by you being the woge of the morning radio, or the radio sports talk in general? Oh, absolutely. That you'll be compromised. Oh, I've been compromised for almost a full decade now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a dirty game, man. You get into, you know, informational shit, you know, cause then like, you know, you got to protect your sources and your people at the same time too. It's very much. Yeah. The whole reporting breaking news game is very much like a, uh, you know, it's like when people do the, um, the analogy about the hot dog about like, you don't, you don't want to know how it's made. Or sausages made. Yeah, you don't know what and how the sausages made. That's very much what sports information trading is like. You know, I, I've I'm had definitely going to be the leaker one day. I want to leak stuff. The leaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely do. I'm going to be the Adnan Verk. Um, I'm, isn't he the guy that got fired at ESPN? Does <laughs> yeah. he leak stuff? Yeah. I want to be that guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's fascinating. Man. We should get An- Anthony back on the show sometime to do like an entire full thing about how sources are developed and how you break things and how you how you do you know a lot of i think what happens behind the scenes that a lot of people might not realize is how how much um uh like um jostling not jostling like negotiate negotiating maybe like i'll come to somebody with a piece of information um and they and this is the biggest problem i'll be like oh don't say that you can't put that out there you know i'll be like well what the fuck you know like you know i this is good i want to go with it and but they but somebody that you trust or somebody that you work with doesn't want that going out there. Then you say, all right, well, you know what? I'll put this off the side. Give me something else, mm-hmm. you know. And I'll put and I'll put that out there instead. So I don't think I think that's a large part of it that people don't realize. But um, you know, a, a lot of what we do at Crossing Broad, for example, and this has always been like a I'll give you like a little insider secret here. One of the biggest problems that we've had is like people call me or talk to me off the record and like, why didn't you reach out to this person? Why didn't you ask them for a comment or why didn't you ask them to confirm something? Because you know what? 99% of the time when I ask somebody about something ahead of time, they say, oh, please don't write that. Mm -hmm. You know, and then I don't have a story. So it's like I could have called Jim Salisbury ahead of time to ask him about his Juan Soto uh, ballot. Right. Right. But like, what if he says, Oh, please just do me a favor and don't do anything about that. What am I going to say? Like, well, too bad. I'm going to do it anyway. You're trying to develop relationships with people trying to be fair to them. But at the same time, you can scupper your own stories by putting it out there to you. Like you're scooping yourself almost in a Mm -hmm. way. It's like, you know, sometimes you go to people and you want to ask them, hey, I heard you're going to the radio to do this shift or whatever. And they say, well, that's true, but it's off the record. So please don't say anything for the next month. And then all of a sudden I don't have I don't have anything to say, you know, so it's kind of a. So do you think people actually ever reach out to people like you you see in the stories all the time, like we reached out to ESPN and we reached out to Woj. There was no comment from either. Like, do people actually do that or kind of just like, eh, I I said, yeah, 
email. Hope it went to spam. A lot of a lot of times that is like a formality. It's like a throwaway line that goes in there because like Andrew, like an Andrew Marshawn or like a John Orand or something like that has a source or might be working with the network or whatever. I don't know. I don't want to accuse them of doing anything, you know, one thing or another. But then like it, the formality is like, hey, I'm going to send the email to the PR staff. I know they're not going to respond and say anything interesting or whatever. But at least I can put that sentence in my story that says we reached out to them and that was that. So. Yeah, I feel like that's more of a formality for something like incriminating. Like, hey, I'm, I'm posting a story that's really saying something bad about you i want you to know ahead of time do you yes. have a comment like just to be yeah. fair of i'm i'm trying to get that side before i just put out one side that's true i think crossing <laughs> broad the regular source of like a kevin durant trade you know i don't i don't think that needs to be run by anybody, yeah right? i think one thing we could probably could probably do better with the stuff that i do is probably try to create like a line of delineation of when do i reach right. out to somebody when do i not reach out to somebody like i'll give you an example when sealski got demolished by jake voracek and he called him like a fucking weasel or something like that or what did he call him a weasel who writes weasel, fucking yeah. shit yeah like i called mike because voracek's side of it was already out there it was very present was like whatever you know and so mike was getting attacked and i was like hey i'm gonna write about this do you want to give me like a statement or something and so he gave me a statement and whatever right you know in the case of like a salisbury thing it was like okay you did your thing everybody's responding to it so to me it wasn't like a one person versus another person kind of thing but i don't know maybe we come up with like some better arbitrary rules and yeah i mean you're not the, but like you're also not the first one the one that i can think of the most is when the national Enquirer had the whole thing about tiger cheating on his on his wife they were like uh please don't run that uh okay fine we want tiger for the men's the men's health cover and that was how they kind of like traded and that does a lot of like that room dealing with stuff there's a whole and it just adds to it how much of a different like I think how, when, how the, when that came on. to light, that was one of the first things that made me at least realize, like, it's a dirty ass game out there. Yeah, it is yeah. very. I think dirty. as I'm growing I up, I'm like starting, I'm starting yeah. to like realize like how much these people are actually humans. When I was like t- ten years old, I was like, this guy is like a, another human being that I can't even like come to grips with on that. But I'm it's like, really okay, tough. Yeah, yeah, it's really hard, man. I mean, you got to compromise something when you do it. It's actually really dirty. I would love if somebody did like a really dove in and did a book. On like a like a chef or a woge and how they operate and how this stuff is made and how you find sources and how you work with people or whatever. I'll do like I, a really short chapter in it. You know? I was wondering, uh, just randomly walking walking on the street the other day. I was like, I wonder how many deals or trade deals or free agency deals don't go down because maybe the athlete had a relationship with this athlete that they wanted to, uh, like maybe they dated the same girl or hooked up with the same girl and whatnot. Because I thought I thought about this when Thor came here because Thor's got a laundry list of. Of, of girls he's hooked up with in New York area. I'm sure the Southern California area. Like, how do we not know like that? You know, maybe he was going to Cleveland and uh, or I don't know how he was. He was going to the Yankees and him and Judge may have hooked up with the same girl while in New York or something like that. I wonder how much, you know, all these background real dealings dumb and stuff shit. Yeah, awesome. real like personal yeah. real life shit makes like, these trades not yeah. happen. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, you, you want to get a really picture interesting. You yeah. want a really interesting guest or like a story or something. You would get like a, a like a PR of on hands person who travels with the guys and they will tell you about all of the shit that they cover up and they're like they're kind of like a ray donovan of yeah, sports pr you know tiger, like you know, i would mm-hmm. love to talk to tiger woods team and pr because they <laughs> hid shit for years yeah. he was the yeah. cleanest dude did nothing wrong and the entire time he was going out to vegas like every single month and yeah. and doing everything imaginable you know like the, one the, of the that, thing- that guy's image was so clean for so long was unreal there was a funny Philadelphia Union story from like 12 years ago where a bunch of guys missed a flight home because they were buying candy in like the airport or something, you know? <laughs> so I would love to get the PR person like when her statute of limitations is up or whenever it's up to tell us like, tell us a real story about the guys, you know, bu- trying to buy like uh, 
Twizzlers and missing their flight oh. and having to take another flight back. That stuff happens all the give time. Give me, give me the Jeff Carter, Mike Richards PR staff. I want that. I yes. want the Flyers PR staff from that yes. from that decade. All right. Uh, I want to know how much yes. shit how they, they had to clean up. Aisle did they actually take? I need <laughs> yeah, to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What were those parties like? Um, <laughs> speaking of, I mean, I guess we could speak of media a little bit. I got a little bit more. Um, Michael Irvin thinks the Eagles can be a dynasty. Uh, here's an alternate headline: Michael Irvin is back on coke. <laughs> back on is that, is that quote coming up again because i feel like he said that last year didn't he this is what he said to dan Celio on, on jacob media now this is what dan oh. Celio reported this is actually mike on up, on video saying this the two worst words you can hear if you're a part of cowboys nation is philadelphia dynasty and philly yeah. has something that's lined up right now that those two words can commingle uh, Mike, I appreciate that. How you spell like, commingle? I've never actually. I don't seen think that's. It. I've never I've heard never of the word commingle. Commingle. I don't know. Um, first, maybe of all, they spelled it wrong. Like that's. I, not think, they spell, word, I, think, right? I think it's C O hyphen mingle. Right. That's no. It's yeah. no. It's actually spelled right. I've just Is never really? actually seen it written out that way. Yeah. C-O-M-I-N-G-L-E. I would never write it out that way. G L E. Never have. I. I'm the editor here. I should know that. You know. I mean, I I know Mike is like you know, just an NFL analyst, but like who the hell can look at this team and look at this quarterback? And I, I think they look good on paper, but a dynasty getting back to the Super Bowl, let's say they win two out of three years or three out of four years or four. And I don't know, everyone has different definitions of a dynasty, but like dynasty in football is, is probably the hardest. Yeah, probably the hardest thing. Well, and then you had friggin' what's his face trying to say that the Warriors weren't a dynasty like uh, yeah, Bill like Simmons tried to what was that? Oh, four Bill and seven? Sucks. Yeah, they got like four rings in seven years, six years, seven. Yeah, but I mean, you know, whatever. They've won a, a lot of rings lately and they've been to a lot of finals lately. Yeah, that's yeah. Not a dynasty, I think I consider what? that a dynasty yeah. with basically the same core group and the same coach. He, what you know, is his definition of dynasty? Yeah. Like, like, do you have to be, you know, uh, like Bayern Munich and win the German league like nine times in a row? Or so is that his definition of a dynasty? Because I think we have different. Does your last name have to be Han and you have to live in China? Is that his definition of a dynasty? You have to rule for hundreds of years? Like Good restaurant in Philly, by the way. Han Dynasty. Yeah. Nice. I'll have to check that, that out. Yeah. Uh, yeah I'll, I'll, I'm thinking of Hop Sing Laundromat, the uh, speakeasy. Han Dynasty, never been. Yeah. Han Dynasty, um, uh, known for their, like, I think, spicy. It's like Asian fusion or something. Oh, that oh, sounds fantastic. Yeah. That does sound good. So what do we yeah. think? Eagles Dynasty coming no. up? No. I so this this all comes back to and this is where it comes back to the quarterback because everything I everything else seems like it is kind of built for they have a young roster they just had a couple a couple of really good drafts so some young players that are going to continue to get better their offense is young and getting better but it comes back down to the quarterback how can I expect Jalen Hurts to become that kind of player when he hasn't shown that or been that player his entire career I hate the fact that everybody says last year was his rookie year. That's bullshit. It's his second year. He already played four NFL games before that, started in four, played in more. He knew what the NFL was like year one, made the adjustments in year two, and we still didn't see enough. And not to say he's bad. He could be a fine quarterback. And could he get to the Eagles to the Super Bowl at one point? Absolutely. I I think I can even concede that fact. But a dynasty? Like, I I don't think Jalen Hurts is that. He's too inconsistent. He's been in his entire career. All the same faults he's had since college are now there in his third year or going into his third year. So I, I just I don't see that. And we don't even know what the hell Nick Sirianni is. He's good. I think he's he's better than maybe anticipated or how quickly it happened because he's such a young coach and we didn't know anything about him. But I, I don't know how you can say dynasty with this team. 
I don't get that. What do you? You probably saw the uh, throw to AJ Brown at practice. Overthrown, I, underthrown, properly thrown. I thought it was a good throw. Yeah, I, I thought it was I, and I'm a Jalen Retainer. I thought it was a great throw. Yeah, I thought it was I a great you, throw. I had to edit out a lot of people in that video saying that it was underthrown. I don't see how it was underthrown. You had to die for it. How is yeah. that underthrown? It was right. I, it was ever, right in, it, it what was right in the hand. For an underthrown ball. How do you do that? Think about what we're talking about for a minute, though. We're talking about like we're like overly analyzing one play from an open practice. Is that not how you? Well, how you want to make it two? We can overanalyze. Can... We can overanalyze the Jordan Davis Cam Jurgens play too, if you like. I I actually love. I think that's actually a very underrated story because it shows that he's a first year rookie. Imagine the self awareness you have to have to like point out that like, yo, I don't want yeah, that shit shouldn't be going viral. It's one rep. Like Cam Jurgens has been playing great like to me that was a very mature quote i love that yeah yeah. i actually i actually had this written down i want to talk about jalen hurts and the team have done a very good job of shutting down media before it becomes a story this year this one didn't really get played a lot but but jalen like stared like bolts lightning bolts through this reporter who asked him about if if uh, aj brown and his best friendship uh it makes Devontae smith jealous like it was just joking the guy was laughing Jalen Hurst said, no, 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 don't start that stuff. And then just stared at the reporter. And I was like, holy shit. Then there was uh, him putting his hand on the mic when NFL Network asked A.J. Brown about uh, the Titans and how everything went with that. And, uh, you know, I kind of, you know, but we know this. You know, Jalen Hurts is very good at talking to the media. He's very well media trained. And he does shut down distractions before they become, you know, a distraction, which is awesome to think about because his rookie year was nothing but a distraction. Well, there was schools they came from, though. Georgia, Alabama, they are all – I mean, Nick Saban pretty much would run a media school or, or how to deal with media because true. every single Alabama and Georgia player say absolutely nothing. They all talk in metaphors, like speaking about rat poison and things like that. That's all it is. I think that there's sometimes, like with when Jalen does this, though, I think sometimes he's not understanding what he's being asked. Um, do you guys remember last year when uh, McLean, I think, was asking him about like the high school game he played – um, yes. Uh, uh, they actually yeah, lost that game, but he was just doing, he was looking for like to go back and like do a story of like, Hey, you've played in big, meaningful like games before at other levels. Like how did, you know, how did that prepare you? Some, you know, whatever basic evergreen kind of story. And he didn't really understand the question. He took it the wrong way. And it was like, I was like, why are you asking me about a loss from X amount of years ago? And all the fans sided with Hertz and like, well, why is the media asking this him this or whatever? So, like, I agree. I think he does a good job coming from the Saban school of like, yo, just ignore this bullshit. Just keep it straight. But like, I think sometimes it re- re- results in like miscommunications where it's like, yo, nobody was trying to ask you something negative. It was just like, it was, you know, this is the larger picture. Why they're they're always play. playing defense. It's never, they, they go out in front of something in front of a story. It's yeah, always yeah. playing defensively, always yeah. trying to make sure nobody's getting anything. And that, that makes you question what, what are they trying to get at? And that auto, automatically assumes the worst. Of the you always think that somebody's like out to get you. you know? Exactly. Like, it's like, even yeah. if you're a reporter and you're talking to like a GM or something like that, everybody's always like wary because they think you're looking for something. They think you're like looking for a story. And I'm like, no, dude, seriously, I'm just asking how your kids are doing. Like I really, yeah, that, that's what I think happened to Nick Castellanos. I thought he just got really defensive and he was like, yeah. what are you trying to get at here? And it wasn't anything harmful. And that's why I think it, it was more of a miscommunication than anything, yeah. but that's what, that's what players are. Now. They're really defensive and they don't they don't want to say anything bad or, or you know automatically assuming that this reporter is trying to say the worst about that. Here I got the quote actually in front of me. So this is um this is McLean responding to the the criticism of the question. He said Jalen is very guarded, understandably so, but also because he went to Bama, 
he likely didn't want to talk about the game that they lost, but I was more concerned about what he's learned since it was his first high school like playoff game. And six years later, he's playing in the NFL. So it was innocuous. I just don't, I think, I think what John's saying, yeah, that's right. They're so guarded and they're like assuming that everybody's always, you know, coming for him at all times. And even when you have a basic question or something, it's like, Oh shit, you know? And then he comes out with, you know, the other funny thing was he came out with that amazing response last year where he broke down the entire play of why he didn't throw to this guy who was in the end zone, like wide open in the end zone. He's like, well, you know, he had split coverage here. I had brackets on this side. You know, I was going through my second read and blah, blah. I, I broke down the entire thing. I think it's the most amazing quote I've ever gotten. And then like fans on Twitter and on Facebook were like, I don't believe any of that. I just think he failed to see the open man. I'm like, yo, the quarterback who never talks about anything, just gave you the most detailed explanation you've gotten about anything in the last five years. And you were sitting here saying that you just don't believe him. So, yeah. you know, it's almost like he can't have, I guess the moral of the story is like, you can't have it. Like you can't, you can't win. No matter, it's, no matter a, what, you know? it's like the shirt you're wearing. It's a toxic Holocaust here in Philadelphia. Yeah. Just a band. Doesn't mean anything more than that. Just a rock and roll band. I couldn't even read that. Well done. Did you know? Did you know beforehand what that we band talked was? about it? I, yeah, I was joking with him. Before. I could not read yeah. that to save my life. You're I would a metal guy. Jansen's a metal guy. He's got good taste in music. But they, they do. I don't know if that means I have good taste in music. But yes, I like metal. What Who metal bands really? have ever? What metal bands have ever gotten Kevin Durant to the Sixers? <laughs> None. No, that's the answer. I, think, I was saying, I think it's like metal sucks. I think it's the website or something they do. I was saying this to Kyle before the show, Jansen. It's like they do the unreadable band logo of the week. Yeah, or something. So they great. put some death metal thing. It's just like totally like illeg- illegible. They'll put it in like a concert poster kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And like advertise and you yeah. have no idea what these bands are. Oh, that it's said, oh, yeah, of course it says cattle decapitation. I knew it. You know? <laughs> of course. So. Yeah. Metal band names are are the best and also like should all end up on an oh, FBI man. most wanted list. Absolutely. Um, all should be thrown in prison, probably. But. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Anything else you got, Jansen? Anything else you got, Kev? I mean, 94-1 WIP. Make sure you sign the petition, anyone listening out there. We are also drawling after uh, Jansen's off. Uh, we're drawling for, we have 13 pairs of Phillies tickets for Dollar Dog Night on September 21st, Phillies versus Blue Jays. So we're going to draw the first two winners. Uh, if you want to enter into that contest, we'll do it up to Thursday uh, leading up to the game. Every Thursday here on Crossing Broadcast, um, go on our TikTok, TikTok at Crossing Broad. All you got to do is just comment below the video that's pinned and uh, tag two people. Go ahead, Kev. I do have one final thing that I wanted to bring up. Um, is it just me or has the Joe Cordell of Cordell and Cordell commercial kind of faded away? I haven't read this. So tell me more. Well, I had this observation. I was, I was dropping my kid off yesterday and I was driving back and I heard the Fisher Investments commercial for the umpteenth time you know it's like how's it go we're a, we're a fiduciary we don't have any hidden fees our clients get paid when we get paid or we get paid when our clients get paid this woman oh, is that like that voice, by the way how yeah. do you make money well we get paid when our clients get paid other money managers you probably have hidden fees written in there somewhere no we get paid only when our clients get paid it's funny that you you find those and like and know what they say there are so many commercials that radio hosts know that yeah. just fucking hate. Sorry, can I say the F word? You can say, yeah, you can say the F word. This is crossing. Because there are some that you just hear over and over. Like the Gary Barbera commercials. It's great. Yeah. iHeart has a great relationship with Gary Barbera. It's great. But Gary Barbera. It's like, oh my gosh, I got to hear it. Because the, the other one, I worked at Sirius XM and they would play the 
the Cars for Kids commercial. That one over. should be banned. And over. That should be banned. Over again. That's like Coco. That's seven, like seven cars for kids. Uh, it's the worst. That's but like the Coco Melon. Coco Melon is, is an FBI psyop gone wrong. Okay. Cars but for I, Kids is right there. I wrote this in the story that because uh, the Cordell and Cordell thing is so funny. It's like it's like perfectly cult Philly sports. It'd be like a perfect thing for crossing broad. I've been trying to set up an interview with Joe Cordell for like five years now. And we got to a point where I thought it was going to happen. His old PR guy, this guy named Matt, was like pretty cool. And he was responding to us. And I was just like, look, I think it'd be funny to do like a Q&A here. It's just he's like a cult figure in Philadelphia. Everybody knows his commercials. They can say um, like recite the whole thing by heart, you know. I'm not licensed in your state, but that's okay. <laughs> Michelle Ferrari, licensed in Pennsylvania and New Jersey, offices in Philadelphia and Radnor. You know, so I was like, you know, maybe do a goofy thing with him and he gets it. And so we went as far as to like send him a, um, like a list of questions ahead of time, which we would never do. Like you're never ever yeah. supposed to do that in journalism. I'm like, we're not doing journalism here. We're interviewing a divorce lawyer. So like I sent him a whole list of questions, but then the PR guy never got back to me. I tried him like three more times. And I found out that the PR guy like took a new job. So now they've got like a firm representing them or something. I tried reaching out to them, but it's like some big corporate machine. So I don't know. Maybe I'll keep trying. But yeah, now he's representing John Morgan. Is that a Radio Wars post or something? Where does that fall? It could be. It could be us versus Joe Cordell's PR team. There you go. (laughs) Joe Cordell's PR team won't respond to us, but that's okay. (laughs) Are you are you a John Morgan guy? Are you more of a Philly uh, Rosenbaum guy? I'm not. I'm not bothered. I'm not bothered by the John Morgan stuff. I Dude, forgot my- to send you this story. Actually, there was a guy, uh, one, um, I think it was uh, Bill, who used to work at WPHT. He, he was um, on vacation with his girlfriend in Boston or something. They saw a John, they saw a John Morgan ad in Boston. They saw like, He's got billboards all up and down the whole. He's from Orlando. He's, yeah, he's a Florida dude, you know? So he's yeah. a, like a, not a carpet bagger, but like, a, yeah, a faker, you know? So in the, in the Red Sox, in the, in the Boston thing, he's got a Red Sox jersey on. And in the uh, Philly one, he's called himself John Morgan. You know, what does he have a billboard in Maryland with a bunch of crab cakes on it or something? Probably. Probably with a background know? of the uh, Maryland flag, too. Crab cakes and football and Maryland. Is that where I need to change? Is that how my successful radio career happens? I changed to John Jansen. Is that the one? Yeah. You got to do yeah. some. You got to do some goofy shtick and sell out and like compromise your integrity and then you'll make it big. Right. Yeah. I take no callers. So I think I need to take all of them is what you're saying. Yeah. Well, once we once we ban, once we get the petition forward and we get 100,000 signatures and yeah. Biden has to actually address it, we'll make sure we go back to yeah. the old Tony Bigby yeah. rule. You're skipping, of, uh, you're, you're skipping the senators this time. You're going straight to the. Yeah. Straight so to we're going straight to the White House. Yeah. And then well, we're going to take back the White House. We're going to take back the White House. Um, well, Biden is a Biden is a Phillies fan, right? Or Jill Biden is. So, I mean, maybe they listen to sports radio. Maybe we can push it up the chain. Maybe we find a guy who knows a guy, you know, and get it up there. Wouldn't that be crazy? Like Joe yeah. Biden does just listen to sports radio. Yeah. Well, he doesn't typically know where he is half the time. Maybe we could just sneak wow. one in there. Like, oh, look, at, look at Kevin getting the Biden senile thing. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not. Everybody knows I'm a disgruntled <laughs> he, independent. He no. takes the let's go Brandon uh, sign <laughs> off his uh, closet door behind him before he gets no, on camera. No, I, I removed the Biden stickers from the gas pump because I'm like, I don't want to look at this shit. Like, who cares? You know? So I'm an independent though. People don't got to read into that any more than they already are. Yeah. Jansen, you're the man. Thanks for coming on, brother. 
Yeah, thanks for finally. I, I felt like you guys ran out of the cycle of of radio. No, hosts that would stop it! You always do this. You, you always got, you do this when you Grace you before know. me. You got Mike Gill before me. You got you got through you got through all those guys, and you're like, I guess we have to get Chance. Woe is me, Listen, Chance. I never get the prime yeah. slot. You know. Yeah. Listen, I never you're got be on, on this world a lot longer than either the of those guys. Bracket, I never got on. So. Um, no, John wanted to be on the bracket. He wanted to be on the radio bracket too for the field of thirty-two last year. So, you know, you just have to say some outrageous shit. The beef I have a crossing broad. It's it's a one-sided beef, but I got beef. Well, what is top five and five? John 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 Jansen. I don't I don't have a radio wars post yet. You know, I don't get anything. You know, because you don't do do you don't crazy shit. You don't do or say any dumb shit. You know, like if you want to make it big in this city, you got to say some bullshit you don't believe in. You oh, got to take a tank down to WIP, like, uh, like, yeah, like, Stern did that to Bella. <laughs> like, Triple H, tank. DX, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Triple H down to DX, yeah. And you got to, and you got to set the Aramark building on fire. You'll get a radio's <laughs> yeah, Go to the Tasty Cake Studios and a tank. Yeah, yeah is that come up with a gimmick and do it. You know, have people drink a bunch of water to and try to hold their pee for a Nintendo and, Wii. You know, do that. Yeah, and hand, and hand on the car as they're doing that. That was always a big yeah, one. Hand a, on the car. car. You got to come up with some old school radio shtick, some like yeah, I got classic BS contrarian thing that you don't believe in, and then you'll people make people like chicken wings. Should I do the Guinness thing? Should I just start start calling into their shows on air and really getting under their skin? Should I do that? <laughs> the Josh Innes thing. Yeah. You just uh, just just rip everybody. Just come right yeah. in on day one and just just pe- don't even meet your new co Burn every bridge I can just already. Burn yeah, every yeah, bridge as fast as possible. Yeah. 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 Worked for it'll, be a very, it'll be a very steep bell curve. Yeah, it worked for him because isn't he in Nashville now? I, I'm going oh, to burn every bridge and then hide in Nashville. Absolutely. No. That's a good well, I mean, Dan, Dan Cilio still gets a show, and he's burned way more bridges and said way more worse things. So let's just be honest. How many people can we criticize on today's Crossing Broadcast? <laughs> yeah, sorry. sorry. We're actually really nice <laughs> yeah, guys, no, too. Right. Yeah, you know, we're actually really good dudes. I just want people to know that. So Yeah, it's funny because I could – I've done some things where I've parodied – like there was this one time this Mike Missinelli tweet of like they were asking for more Twitter followers or something like that, and everybody was was mm-hmm. going after them like, oh, this is kind of lame and all that. And I, I parody that and go, nobody follow me. Everybody unfollow me. Don't follow, my takes are the worst. My show sucks. <laughs> like I, I, I'm not making fun of anyone. I'm really making fun of myself and – it just may may be taking a shot at people. You know what it is though. Here's what I, here's what I think, Jansen. I think because everybody's doing the contrarian hot take shtick thing. You, the real contrarianism is pragmatism. Possible, you know. So lukewarm maybe you takes. just call it down the middle. Just do lukewarm takes, and that'll yeah. and then you'll stand out from the Phillies. Might be a playoff team. They might might be. might not be. Might not. Sean Watson. Yeah. Sean Watson could have got more games. Could have got less games. <laughs> could have got, got more, but it could have been less. You know, we'll talk about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> John Jansen coming up later today. Thanks. All man. right, that's John Jansen. What are you eight to eleven? Line change every single Monday yeah, through Friday. So my, I don't know. My schedule's all over the place. Um, so I'm I'm on three to it really is. I'm on three to six today with uh, I'm filling in for Sean. But okay. every Tuesday and Thursday it's three to six. I. Th- I think it's the best show in Philly, Sean and I do. We have such a great time doing it, and I hope it translates on air. I know our streams have been up um, for those shows, and I think for the month, so I, it's great that I think people are enjoying it because I definitely do, and I think we have a good time. So, yeah, at least every Thursday, tune in 3 to 6. Every Tuesday and Thursday, 3 to 6, Sean and I on the Daily Tour. Awesome. awesome. I think it's the second best show in Philly, but that's just me being biased. Uh, well, at least on air. I don't know. Can we consider okay. this on air? Are you, are you we, meaning this I'll show? concede. I'll this concede is a, that we're not on yeah. a good news show. You know, it's all right. Thanks. Appreciate it. Well, hey, man, we're grinding. You know, we're, you know, we're trying yeah, to put yeah. things into place. 
Yeah. Yeah. We brought you on. We need we need oh, more yeah. listeners. Oh, you need more all listeners? Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Concurrence were good today. Concurrence were good. So all right. Hey. You gonna leave? Appreciate it, guys. Yeah. I think I all right. We got all we right. got we got Phillies tickets to give away. Um John Jansen. I mean, honestly, follow him. He's a great dude. Humble guy. Good guy. Humble guy. All right, Dave. Guy. Now let's 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 set this back up. We are giving away 13 pairs of tickets leading up to the 21st of September. Phillies versus Blue Jays. The real reason why we're doing this is because we're going to break the dollar dog record. The most dogs ever eaten in a nine inning game for dollar dog night is 77,285, which is a lot of dogs. So we need people to fill the stadiums. This is actually great talk that we we had before. We need people to fill these stadiums. If you want to get in. On this giveaway, go to our TikTok at Crossing Broad. The video that I put up is pinned. All you got to do is comment underneath it, tag two of your friends on TikTok, then you're entered. We've already got, I think, like 70 people. That wheel looks like shit. But anyway, uh, shout out to Dave. He put all these together. Let's spin that wheel. We're doing two giveaways today. Spinning, spinning, spinning. Kimberly J87, you have right. won. Woo! All right, yeah. Dave, one more. Great job. Good job. <laughs> I can feel the excitement <laughs> just radiating off of you. Declan.miles13. See, right. people, it's that easy. You just comment underneath, and now Declan and Kimberly, they have two pairs of tickets to go to the Phillies game on the 21st. Uh, Kev, anything else? Go sign the petition. Yeah, let's get a petition update here. Uh, 94W on change.org, 94WIP must bring back the one phone call per week once on the weekends rule. Let's see how many signatures we've got. We've got 735 signatures. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Let's get it to 1,000. And then I'm going to print it out. I'm going to walk it down. I'm going to hand it to Jack Fritz. And uh, <laughs> then they won't be able to. Uh, WIP management will not be able to ignore us anymore. Let's get it to 1,000. That's true. I'm gonna going. drop. I'm gonna drop the link in the chat right here yeah. for everybody to sign the Thanks, petition. Bob. My mom's uh, in the comments. She just signed I, the petition too. Oh, I, what else could you ask for? That's that's, that's the awesome. Only support you need, right there. You know? Yeah, yeah. Really, Thanks, it doesn't Bob. matter if this if this has one concurrent. At least yeah. Mrs. Kincaid will be here <laughs> watching every single day. Yeah. Once uh, per so, week. Once on the weekends. <laughs> so <laughs> sign that petition. Uh, enter the contest for the Phillies tickets, and you have yourself a great weekend, Kev. This was fun. Yeah, yeah. I hope uh, I hope your family of four is able to get to a baseball game sometime this season, and uh, we'll sign off. Talk to you on Tuesday. Uh-